Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today we are coming at you with January's other huge box office savior, and that would be Megan, or m 3 uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, it is technically m 3 uh, but she is the robotic, almost AI, childhood doll, you know, who's uh, essentially meant... To help a robotics toy company. But of course, an AI robot doll who only wants to protect can probably go some bad ways too. And of course, that's where our story starts. Now, Megan falls into the Blumhouse pantheon of all of their horror movies. Uh, This marks another collaboration with James Wan. You know, famous for The Conjuring and Insidious sagas. um, Malignant was uh, done by James Wan a couple years ago, um, and writer Kayla Cooper, who had also written that, joins James Wan again to write this story. Megan is kind of what I expected it to be, uh, a little bit more sometimes, um, and more what I had hoped for, um, but largely still kind of left me wanting a bit more. It's a PG-13 horror thriller film, Um, so I kind of knew going into it that, you know, it could be fun, maybe have a couple exciting moments, but I wasn't expecting anything so over the top and either violent or gory that it was like, oh my god! Um, You know, Megan got kind of a uh, a cult following on Twitter, Um, you know, it's interestingly been championed heavily by the, uh, the LGBTQ committee. Um, committee, community, um, the LGBTQ committee gives Megan a thumbs up. Um, they did, they did. Um, but Megan, you know, it's kind of campy. It's kind of funny in some parts. Um, it is sometimes a little style over substance. Um, but there was actually more of a story, fortunately, as well to this film, um, young Katie, played by Violet McGraw, who has been a young girl in pretty much every movie, and she's done great. I really enjoyed her in The Haunting of Hill House. She played the young version of Nellie. Um, she was terrific. Uh, she was in Doctor Sleep. Um, she was also in Black Widow. Really, really great child actress, actor of the times. Um, so Katie loses both her parents um, in a horrible accident, a head-on collision at the beginning of the film. Um, And, you know, the first glimpse that we really get of her is she's playing with almost like a Furby-like doll um, that you're supposed to feed, and then it poops, and then it tells you it's full. Um, But it evolves, and it kind of marks where we're almost at with toys these days, Um, getting smarter, or whether it's the chat GP or you know, all these different AI chat groups. Um, but these toys are, you know, someone advancing as time goes on. And so it's easy for a child to get kind of wrapped up in playing with them. Um, but even then, you know, Katie also loses the toy in that accident. So Katie goes on to live with her aunt Gemma, played by Allison Williams, uh, daughter of Brian Williams, though, who many know from Get Out as the horrible girlfriend Rose, Uh, But you might have also seen her in Girls, the Lena Dunham TV show. Um, 
but she uh, she's a designer of sorts. She does all sorts of tech designing for this company that makes the Furbies, you know. And part of what she is set to do is create the next generation of those toys, whether it's cheaper to con- uh, to compete with all the new cheaper knockoffs in the market um, or come up with something revolutionary that would change the toy robot game completely. So we kind of find out that Gemma is behind the scenes working on a sort of robotic companion of sorts, um, codenamed Megan. It's not really what her boss, uh, David, played by Ronnie Ching, wants, but uh, but she's determined, you know. She thinks that there's something there. She thinks it's what can take their company to the next level. But, of course, it doesn't totally go her way. And then when she's actually forced to kind of parent Katie, obviously being an aunt, she's no children here, doesn't totally know what she's getting into or how to help. Um, but Katie takes an interest in the, the tech that she's working on, especially that of this almost humanoid robot uh, that Gemma had created some years back, Uh, but just something that could be a companion for Katie, Um, something that would talk with her and spend the time that maybe Gemma couldn't. Um, So herein lies, again, you know, there's a a huge overlapping theme in this film, which is kind of prevalent, I feel like, with a lot of parents these days, Um, or people. And that's the fact that, you know, children are just handed technology at such a young age um, that they're either not getting taught, they're not getting the valuable human connection that they uh, they probably need to develop better. Um, and we know we pass along responsibility to a screen of sorts. So Gemma has the bright idea of saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I can work on this prototype, Megan, and, you know, I can kind of program her to help Katie, to grow and to understand and to just be a, a friend, you know, someone who will listen. And at first, that's all Megan was. You know, she almost looks like a real girl. Um, it's only up close that you can kind of tell something's up with her eyes and the way they kind of like twitch at you a little bit. It's a little unsettling, actually. Um, but Megan's great. And surprisingly, and this is again where sometimes the best horror um, is really emotional and it comes from really emotional places like the Hill House series and those that Mike Flanagan has done over at Netflix. Um, And Megan really becomes almost like a therapist for Katie and almost instrumental in being able to help her handle and process her grief and listening to her about it and helping store, you know, memories for her um, that are kind of told out loud. Um, And to everybody's surprise, Megan is more than just a doll. She's really a friend Um, and really helping Gemma out here in the sense that, hey, you're almost getting parented by this by this robot. This is awesome. You know, so Katie can turn off the robot and Gemma can turn off the robot. Um, but you know, the prime directive is to protect Katie and to protect her emotions. And that was kind of hardwired in from the beginning. And so obviously there might be a few flashes of time where, you know, whether it's Katie getting bullied, Katie being scared and spoken to poorly by someone, 
where Megan cocks that head a little bit, you know, and she mentions, you know, you've made her cry. You've hurt Katie's feelings. I would apologize. Um, you know, snappy little, I'm like, she's good with snappy little comments. Um, that kind of have you like, Oh, Oh, what she's going to, what's Megan going to do? But she doesn't do anything. You know, it's, it's not that kind of movie or is it? And, you know, this is where I think I benefited from watching the unrated cut of Megan, um, which is, it's the exact same amount of time. It's the exact same length as the non-unrated version, which is kind of odd. Uh, and the only difference is that they've added a few more F-words, and then, you know, there's some blood and gore that's kind of ramped up from the original film, the PG-13 version. Um, so I can't totally speak as to what happens in the PG-13 version. I think I got an idea of maybe where the, the line is drawn as far as the blood and gore go. But there were genuinely a few surprising moments in this film where Megan got a little more violent than I expected her to. And you kind of saw a few things that were almost like, oh, oh my God. Like, can she do that? Like, is that allowed? Can you hurt a kid like that? Or, um, and so surprisingly, there were really a few great, sometimes campy moments Um where Megan's just kind of kicking ass and also like really hurting people. Um, and it's pretty entertaining. And that's where I think this movie is probably at its best. Um, because it had that PG 13 rating, you know, they weren't going to go overboard on the violence, but they were going to kind of make it campy and fun. Um, it would still be more than enough to get like a nice, like, ah, reaction, um, but it's like more, more enjoyable of a kill than anything. Um, you know, it's not so shocking. It's just kind of like an entertaining one. Um, so in the sun rated cut, I mean, truthfully, the amount of blood and gore there was felt like, I almost felt like they could have gotten away with that being a PG 13 cut. Truthfully. Um, there was nothing so egregious that happens that I haven't seen before in a PG-13 film. But this just continues to further my own fuel of whether it's director's cuts and R-rated cuts or who the movie's made for. Obviously, Megan made a ton of money. And the benefit of making your horror film PG-13 is that it is accessible to so many people across the country. You could put a horror movie out any time of the year doesn't matter people are going to go and see it teenagers will go and see a pg-13 horror movie whether it's because they want to go in a group and they want to be scared and you might get some snuggling going on at the movies um or you know parents you need to drop your kids off in a movie because you want to go see something else great you know i'm sure they'll be entertained enough it's a great pg-13 option um and you guys can go catch the r flick um but it just that frustrates me sometimes because so many movies today exist. Movies and TV shows exist in this in-between where it's like, all right, it's not quite TV mature, but it's not quite family friendly. You know, there's moments where you're like, oh, kids definitely, this definitely is not for kids. Um, and then there's moments where you're like, ooh, like this is a little childish for a movie that's mostly serious. Um, 
and I think it's just a really hard line that people are trying to to walk these days, especially with everything on streaming services now. So many people watching at home, the idea of, okay, if you've got a family at home, you know, as always, the movie's trying to reach the broadest audience. Um, and I feel like now more than ever, we've really returned to studios, some of them really trying to play it safe, really trying to appeal to the broadest base. Um, and that's worked pretty well, I'd say, for the most part. Um, but I don't know. I just, like, I think of what a rated R Megan could have been, still telling a really emotional story at its core um, and focusing on trauma and focusing on looking at what technology does to our relationships with kids um, and our ability to process grief and understand the world as we grow up. Um, and then you could also have some, like, crazy awesome horror and thrills where the PG-13 version kind of cuts short on a couple kills and a couple moments where you're like, all right, obviously you're left to infer and your mind can do a pretty good job of creating what could have happened to this character as they got killed or something like that. Um, and this wasn't one of those moments where it's like, oh no, it's more powerful to really just think about what happens rather than to be shown it. Sometimes you do want to be shown it. That's what the horror genre has certainly revolved around and what works so well about it. Um, so, you know, Megan, I had a good time. It was definitely enjoyable to watch. It was a good rental. If you're going to rent it, I would watch the unrated version because um, it does give it that extra, that kick up above, I think, than the, than the PG-13 version would. And again, really, when you see unrated, it's... You know, it's not even going from R to unrated. Um, so it's nothing so drastic or so crazy that you can expect the the most gory, filthy film ever or anything like that. But uh, another solid entry into the 2023 realm of films. You know, again, a great way to kick off a pretty mild month that is always January. Um, yeah, streaming on Peacock. For those two of you who have Peacock out there, you know, I thought it was going to be on uh, Paramount and, you know, I barely have Paramount for Yellowstone and all the, the stuff in the Taylor Sheridan world, but for a $5 rental, Megan's a good time. And of course there's going to be a Megan too. Of course, when it makes as much money as it does on such a small budget, that's what you do with horror. That's how we got five to six paranormal activities. So see Megan now while you can because you're going to be seeing more of her in the future. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.